0: Okay, Um, why is Ruth placed here, at least in the historical books of the Bible? Why is it placed where it is? Uh, I think that the first line links this, the first line links it with the time period we just covered. In verse 1, it came about... In the days when the judges governed, or the text says the judges judged, actually in Hebrew the the noun judge, uh, the noun for judge, and the verb are the same word. So in the days the judges judged, there is this famine in the land. So it's set chronologically in the same time frame. And so it's a historical book and we place it where we do. That was not the order of the books. That was not the order of the books in the Hebrew Bible, which we may have reason to talk about later. But uh, right now, we we just mentioned that in passing. And A lot of questions sometimes that we deal with in the introduction like, what's the purpose of this book? I don't want to ask that right now and answer it. I want to ask it. But I want you to be thinking about it as we are going through the book. Particularly in a brief book like this, I think when we come to the end we're better equipped to answer that than we are at the beginning. And sometimes my Uh, I'm reluctant to state the purpose of the book right as we begin before we've looked into it because let us study the book, let those things unfold and then come to that conclusion as to what is the purpose, what is the reason behind this. But an outline of the book the, the family, the first family here in this book, Elimelech, Elimelech and Naomi, are going to move to the land of Moab with their two sons. Uh, then Orpah is going to leave her mother in law, but Ruth clings to her, and then Ru- Naomi will come back to their hometown in Bethlehem. But let's read these, read the chapter, and let's come back and talk about it. It came about in the days when the judges governed, or the judges judged, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth and they lived there about ten years. Then both Malon and Kilion also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we shall surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband." If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried, and may the Lord do so to me. And worse, if anything but death separates you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came about when they had come to Bethlehem that all of the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Almighty has afflicted me." So Ruth, so Naomi returned, and with her, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Okay, first five verses tells the story of Naomi with her husband Elimelech. Elimelech. Elimelech means, uh, my God is king. or or something uh, to that effect. Uh, My king is, or the king is my God. Uh, But it's a reference to the God that he served. He has his wife, Naomi. There is a time of famine. Now, Bethlehem, uh, and always when you discuss the meaning of a word... There are a few people here and there who will disagree. But generally it's agreed that Bethlehem means the house of bread. And so as we open the book, there is irony in that there is a famine in the house of bread. There was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem. Now remember the last two accounts we covered in the book of Judges also dealt with Bethlehem, didn't they? In Judges 17 and 18, uh, the uh, Levite comes to Bethlehem and Judah and stays with a man by the name of Micah. In uh, Judges 19, you see there uh, the, uh, the um, Levite goes to Bethlehem and Judah to retrieve his concubine, but there's famine in the land. Can you think of other times in the biblical story where a famine has led God's people to move? Where would be a couple of instances of that, David? Uh,
1: when Joseph was in Egypt, okay. There was a famine
0: the reason that all the family of Jacob goes down to Egypt is because Joseph is going to provide for them during those years of famine in, in Genesis uh, chapter 46. I
2: was say, and Abraham and Sarah went down to Egypt a couple times because yes. of the famine. Yes,
0: yes they, they, they did in Genesis 12. If you look at Genesis 12 verses 10-20, 12, uh, through 20, what you will see is that Abraham's experiences in Egypt foreshadow Israel's experiences in Egypt. Uh, and so there's a connection made there. But Abraham goes down in time of famine to Egypt. Uh, the, the Jacob's descendants go. And here, they're not going to Egypt but, but they're going to Moab. It's a much uh, shorter journey for Elimelech and Naomi than if they had gone to Egypt. But they also have two children. Was it best for them to go here in the first place? I, I don't know. We're not given the answers to, to things like that. You remember one time that there was a famine in Genesis 26 and Isaac was told don't leave the land. So, it may have been better for them not to leave, but but I'm not saying that with certainty. I just don't know, and those questions aren't answered in the text. But you have to realize that where you live is going to influence how your family behaves. And the Bible tells us that their sons, Malon and Kilion, marry Moabite women. Now, God had told them, don't intermarry with foreigners. They will cause you to lose your faith. He said that in Deuteronomy 7, in verses 1 through 4. It is going to be obvious as the book unfolds that Ruth has become a convert to the Lord. The marriages of Deuteronomy 7 weren't meant to prohibit that, but... Did they marry first and then later uh, Ruth adopts their gods? I I raise a lot of those questions, but we can't answer them from the text. I'm just simply telling you uh, I'm aware those things can be asked and and you may have thoughts, but we just don't know the definitive answer. The key thing is that when a family goes down, they go down four strong. But Elimelech dies in verse 3. Malon and Kilion marry. Moabite women. They marry Orpah and Ruth. They live there about 10 years, but they die as well. Naomi has come in with four, and she's going to go back home by herself. And I cannot imagine the sense of emptiness that she felt after those 10 years of Moab. David would it be reasonable to assume that this
1: is during a period of unfaithfulness for the Israelites because of the famine because God had made the
0: promise if you're faithful I'll bring the rains and there'll be plenty you know this is the promised land yeah and
1: there's obviously a famine and so you know there's not plenty
0: Okay. Certainly, there
1: were periods of unfaithfulness
0: during the time of the judges. Well, yeah, when you just ask, could it have been a time of unfaithfulness in the judges? I think everybody responds who's just read the book. Yes, <laughs> uh, it could be. And uh, but particularly, you're right that a famine would have been one of the curses of the covenant, right. and so that may have only you know emphasized that more. So so you you're right that may well have been the reason, but. Um, Originally, when Naomi is going to start back home, both daughter-in-laws will seek to accompany her, but only one will end up making the trip. But what questions do you have on verses one through five? Anything right there?
2: I've always wanted to know what the men died of. <laughs> I just, okay. I, I don't know why. I just okay. Because like, there's not a, there's not really like a hint in the text that they were unfaithful and were struck down or anything like that I mean, other than they died presumably at a fairly young age
0: yes at, at a fairly young age but I would state this I can remember reading through a book that talks about the, you know, the various countries of the world How much of the population is educated and literate and can read or write. Um, And what the basic income is in those nations and the life expectancy. There's still a lot of nations on Earth where the life expectancy is around 40 or 50 years. The very fact that we live as long as we do here is a blessing that some people who were born in, for example, the landlocked areas of Africa would not enjoy. And uh, I'm not saying there are no old people there, because uh, a couple of years ago I put on a Facebook page a picture of a man in the south part of Africa. I think it was Zimbabwe who was 95 who walked five miles to church. Uh, every Sunday. He has since passed away. He died. He did not make it to a hundred. But it's not to say there aren't old people there, but I am saying life expectancy was short. And even pro- prior to the Civil War, life expectancy was much shorter here. So I-, I think they died relatively young, particularly the sons, but it's difficult to say even that with, with precision in this particular case. Um, But I want us always, when we look at a biblical book, to see what the Lord is doing. To see what He is doing. And verse verse 6 stresses right away, When Naomi arose, when she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab, how the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. I think what David said a moment ago is a good possibility. It may well have been the famine was because of a judgment from God trying to wake the people up. But definitely we know right here that the fact they have so many crops is the Lord's blessing because the text says it is. The text says she heard in the land of Moab the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. So the Lord is responsible for this blessing. And the Bible says she departed from the place where she was, verse seven and uh, with her daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And then in verse 8, Naomi addresses her daughters-in-law. Now, one of the reasons I call attention to that, everything before has been kind of narrated for us. In Ruth, there are 85 verses, 56 of those 85 verses, describe interaction, conversation, dialogue. And so much of this book is dialogue between key characters. And here we see the first of that in verse 8, as Naomi is speaking with her daughters-in-law. And she says, go return to her mother's house each of you go, return to your mother's house. Now I'll tell you one thing that was a little uh, surprising about that phrase in in 1.8. That phrase, her mother's house is rare. It's usually the father's house that's emphasized. It is only used elsewhere in Genesis twenty four verse 28 where that is um, Rebecca running to show her mother uh, tell her mother about uh, the servant of Abraham that has come to visit and twice in the Song of Solomon in the Song of Solomon 3 verse 4 in the Song of Solomon 8 verse 2 where she longs to bring her man back to her mother's house And so those are the only instances in the Old Testament. Usually it is the father's house that is emphasized. Here, the mother's house. And as this mother is speaking to two women who've lost uh, their husbands, they think more in terms of the mother of the house than the father. And maybe that's only, only natural. But she says, may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. This word, deal kindly, deal kindly, is the Hebrew word, and It is a word that we've emphasized a lot in the book of Psalms. Because there are 247 instances of this in the Old Testament, and 128, a little over half, are in the book of Psalms. And usually, when the Bible is emphasizing loving kindness, it is the Lord who is showing this. To his people. It's a covenant word. It is persistent love. It is a love that doesn't die. It is a love that doesn't give up. And the Bible tells us, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Now, this word which refers to covenant love is going to be used a couple of other times in the book. It's used in 1-8, it is going to be used in 220. It is going to be used in 3 verse 10. And each of those instances are important. But that's going to be a key word just as it's a key concept throughout the whole Old Testament. Go return, each of you, to his mother's house, to her mother's house. And may the Lord deal with you as you have dealt with the, with me. Uh, As you have been so good to my sons, may the Lord grant kindness to you. And may the Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. You know what it tells us about Naomi's worldview? She believed that God is sovereign. Sovereign over human relationships. May the Lord grant you that you may find rest in the house of a husband. The Bible says house and wealth are an inheritance from fathers. But a godly wife is from the Lord. Proverbs 19 verse 14. Now, I can look at passages in the Bible And I can establish the fact that wealth is a gift from God too. The point is not really to deny that wealth is from God. The point is to underline and put an exclamation mark behind the fact that a godly wife is a blessing from God. And here, the Bible shows the Lord's the Lord dealing in these situations, the Lord's sovereignty in these matters. What's good advice to those who are young and unmarried uh, and want to get married? Pray. does it mean you'll always get the person you want or get married at all. But, but look for the Lord's guidance since God is sovereign in these relationships. May the Lord grant you that you may find rest in the house of your husband. Now, one of the things that I was reading is when um, Naomi makes this statement. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Uh, This writer refers to the fact that this is only stated a couple of other times in the Old Testament. Uh, David gives this kind of statement to the people of Jabesh Gilead in 2 Samuel uh, 2 and verse 6. And David uses this language in, in addressing Ittai, the Gittite, in 2 Samuel 15 and verse 20. And the point that he makes is this is a formal way in the Old Testament to end a relationship. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me or something of that nature. This is kind of a a formal ending to the relationship. She is telling these girls, you have served me well, you have served my sons, your husbands well, and you're free of any responsibility for me. If, if this be correct, that is what she's doing. And the Bible says, they lifted their voices and wept. Three widows, I know two are younger, but three widows, weeping and crying as they face a very uncertain future. It's really a sad scene, and I think we're to partake of that as we see it. That statement that they lift their voices and wept is going to be included not only in verse 9, but we're going to see it too in verse 14. Verse 14, they lifted up their voices and wept. But the daughters at first say no. no. The daughters-in-law say no, no, we're not leaving. The, uh, they said in verse 10, no, but we will surely return with you to your people. We're going we're to go back with you. Naomi tries to dissuade them. She tries to talk them out of this. In verse, in verse 11, Naomi said, to, said, return my daughters. Why should you go with me? There's nothing for you. Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husband? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I should have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you refrain from marriage? Know my daughters, it's harder for me than for you. The hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. Now, it seems like to me, Naomi says, you know, Naomi says, listen, realistically, there is no hope that I'm going to have sons. And if I was with a man tonight and had sons, would you wait till they were grown? it is interesting that either the Leverett law of marriage, this Leverett law of marriage seems to apply among the people of Moab or she states that you know this is what we practice in Israel. Now now maybe I'm jumping ahead here. Um, Like Roman, if somebody came to you and said, what's the law of marriage, what would you say? Um, so basically, if uh, let, let, for example, if you died and uh, your
2: wife had to remarry, she would have to remarry your brother to keep your namesake alive. Okay. And their son's.
0: Your first son would be yours. Okay. You. Exactly. First son would be... Uh, my son legally in that relationship, and that was a good illustration uh, that you use. Uh, that if a husband dies without any offspring, and um, well, since you're on the road, where would I read about that? Uh, Deuteronomy 25. Okay, yeah,
1: Deuteronomy
0: 25. Deuteronomy 25 verses 5 through 10. Now, I, it seems like this is applying, she she understand, or, or she's having her daughters-in-law understand that this law is going to apply to you. I, I don't have hope of having a husband. And um, if, if I did have that hope, you wouldn't wait until they were grown to refrain from marriage. And I, I don't know, I, I just want to capture the spirit of hopelessness in this statement. Spirit of hopelessness. I like, I underlined this in my Bible. Verse 12 If I said I have hope. Now, obviously, that's just a possibility. She's talking about hope of being with a man and hoping to have another child. But I think that statement, if I said I would have hope, is striking. Because what it shows us is is she's hopeless. She's not... She is facing a very uncertain future. And she, and I think very selflessly, does not want these daughters to go with her because she knows that they will with her as well. Their best chance for remarriage is going back to their mother's home and staying in the land of Moab. Well... And Naomi says too to her daughter, she says, This is worse for me than it's for you. I know this is hard for you. But it's worse for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. Now she's recognizing God's sovereignty in all these events. And she'll mention this again. The very fact she recognizes His sovereignty in all these events, though, leads us to think that when things turn... She's going to give God thanks for everything. But they lifted up their voices and wept. And Orpah, Orpah I want to say ofra sometimes, but it's Orpah <laughs> kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. Now, that word clung or, or cling is the basic word. That word is often used in Deuteronomy for clinging to God. Deuteronomy 10 verse 20, Deuteronomy 11 and verse 22. And there are other examples we could give. It's used for clinging to God. But it's also used in Genesis 2 and verse 24. A man shall leave his father and mother and cling cleave to his wife and they're no longer two but one flesh cling or cling to your wife so my point that I'm stressing her daughter-in-law expresses the kind of devotion to her that is often Characteristic of marriage. Later in Ruth 1 16 and 17, we're going to find um, these verses. I know when we were married, I think this was my mom that cross stitched those verses for us. Ruth 1 16 and 17. I've used it in a lot of weddings over the years. And that's fine. I think it's a good expression of what marriage should be. But it's originally said by a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law, which is pretty remarkable in a lot of ways. Naomi, the the worst thing she says in Ruth 1 is in verse 15. She says, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth will have none of it. And she says, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse if anything but death separates you and me. What in that clearly shows That Ruth is a convert to the Lord. What shows that?
2: Your God is
0: my God. What was that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Your God, your God will be my God. Verse sixteen. That's one thing. And there is there's there's something else. What else?
2: Death will not even separate them.
0: Okay, death will not separate them and she makes the vow that death will not separate them in the Lord. The Lord's name. May the Lord do so to me. You did not call upon gods that you did not believe were real to bring a curse on you when you were disobedient. You only called upon a God that you believed was real and able to bless you or able to judge you. And it says, Thus may the Lord Do to me and worse. May the Lord do to me and worse. The fact that she takes this oath In the name of the Lord is proof of her loyalty to God. Remember in Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6 in verse 13, You shall fear only the Lord your God. You shall worship Him and swear by His name. Deuteronomy 6 in verse 13. And Ruth is swearing by the name of Israel's God. But, But nothing but death as Micah said, separates them. Nothing but death. Again, an instance, an example of how this is in some ways a picture of marriage. Naomi sees she's determined to go and she stops trying to talk her out of it. Now, I I like the way that um, Ruth says this and I'm trusting that you have the outline now, but in verse 16 do not ask me do not entreat me to leave you or to turn back from following you the word leave is sometimes translated leave, abandon, forsake It'll be used three or four more times in the book of Ruth. But it was used in the book of Judges for Israel forsaking the Lord. They forsook the Lord. And they served other gods. Turn back. And by the way, the word used here is used all through Ruth 1, every time Ruth says to her daughters-in-law, return, it is the same word, do not ask me to turn back. But but sometimes in the book of Judges, it is also used for turning away from God. What I'm trying to stress is that Ruth shows a greater loyalty to her mother-in-law than Israel does to their God. And that is striking. Any time you see an example of this kind of loyalty, it is it is a example to us. Shouldn't we display a greater loyalty to a greater one than God Himself? What thoughts do you have there? What questions? You? Brad, Brad, has, okay, boy, go ahead. Brad said for you to go ahead. Okay, well, couldn't you say the same thing about Naomi as you just said about Israel? That uh, uh, she didn't have the confidence in God that uh, her daughter-in-law had in her. It could be. Could be verse 15 would kind of indicate that. Um, I don't think, I don't think she has completely abandoned everything about the faith. Uh, even though she attributes her difficult circumstances to the Lord. But, but uh, to some degree, verse 15, you go back to your people and your gods, that certainly was not a noble thing for her to say. And um, have, I, I kind of picture this when you reach the bottom of discouragement. Have you ever sometimes given advice
1: that you regret it?
0: And, and I think that that might be the situation here. Brad?
1: Um, I don't know if you feel like this is fair, but one, um, I heard someone point out how uh, dire the situation is for uh, Naomi, that um, her prospects in life are not very good to be, to be yeah. at her stage in life and in need of a, of a husband that will take care of her. Mm-hmm. And so... When um, and if if you grant it that that she was she did not have a good outlook, then Ruth saying, "I'm going to go and I will die. I'll be buried. I'll die with you and I'll be buried with you." is heard t- a pretty big statement saying, "You know what?" I'm going to go with you, and I'll die with you. Because yeah. I re- realize you, you have no one to take care of you. Um, mm-hmm. you know, my prospects are way better than yours. But yeah. I'm going to go with you, and where you die, I'll yeah. die. And, and uh, even death uh, you know, can't separate
0: us. Often in these days in Israel, and up into in our country, up until probably the 1920s or 30s, Um, I I think I don't know the answer to all this psychologically but, but a lot of times the reason people had a lot of children is first they were depending on them for workers to help them but also they had to have somebody to care for them when they were old and even today even today when we've got all kinds of Government assistance and housing for older people. When a person is older and has no family left, um, I think of Betty, her husband passed away, and her two daughters passed away. They're still in a very vulnerable situation. And uh, of course, Ann Marie has done so much in, in that situation as Betty and Gary. Have two, but uh, so many, but but yes, and so yeah, they were very vulnerable, and 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 Ruth's commitment could have sparked a little enthusiasm in Naomi, and she's, and and I will say this too. When you look at the prayers of Ruth, like Ruth, and you may not view verses 8 and 9 as kind of a prayer, but but really it is. The prayers of the book of Ruth are going to be answered in the book of Ruth. And the prayers in the book of Ruth are to some degree answered in the book of Ruth through the person who prayed them. She prays, may God grant you that you find rest in the house of a husband. And she's going to play a part in helping bring that about, I'm not saying the Lord is not primary, but I'm saying she plays a part in that situation. And so in verse 19, the Bible says, They both went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came about when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. So the Lord is witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. Um, why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord is witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned with Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and uh, they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. But they come to the city of Bethlehem, and the text says all the city was stirred All the city was stirred. Basically, the same kind of expression is used in the New Testament when Jesus comes in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. All the city was stirred. And they are saying, this is Jesus the prophet. But here, they're stirred. There there wasn't ways to correspond in those days easily. Since Naomi has left, they have not seen her. And uh, here she is coming back after 10 years. and, And they say, is that Naomi? And the irony of her name strikes her. Naomi can mean things like comfortable or pleasant. And she says, don't call me Naomi, but call me Mara. Do you remember in Exodus 15... That Israel came to uh, some springs of water and they could not drink, for the water was bitter and they called it Mara. Yes. And so uh, this word carries with it bitterness. That's in Exodus 15 22 through 27. And the irony of her name strikes her. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Pleasant. Don't, don't, it's not, not call me. Naomi. Uh, call me Mara because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. The, Mara is a noun. Bitter is, is the verb based on this noun. So it's a wordplay here. Call me Mara for the Almighty. Uh, I, I don't know a way to preserve it in English, but you get the idea. Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full. Oh, the Lord has brought me back empty. Now, she's attributing all this to God. Sarah, do you have a thought right here? I
2: was going to say you got to wonder a little bit what Ruth thought when her coming with Naomi <laughs> yeah. is considered still being empty. I mean, eventually yes. Naomi appreciates it and she probably does here but yeah. just caught up in I don't have all of these things. All I have is a daughter-in-law who Maybe crazy because she's going with me instead of finding a husband on her own, and yeah.
0: Yes, yes.
2: A nice kind of crazy, but still.
0: Yes, yes. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's a good question. You know how how does Ruth respond to Naomi being so discouraged, even when she's right there with her? But what does it say about God? She has stated in one thirteen, the hand of the Lord was against her. In verse 20, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with her. In verse uh, 21, uh, the Almighty has afflicted me. Now, are, is the saying these things necessarily a statement of unbelief? Remember, when Job lost his livestock, And Job lost his children. Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin with his mouth. It's not a sin for him to say that. It is a recognition that sovereignty does belong to the Lord. The Bible tells us that the Lord creates good and evil. Your translations have different words there. But but it is the words for good and evil. But, But evil is not, in Isaiah 45 verse 7, evil is not moral evil. Evil equals calamity or difficulties, problems. Suffering. God's hand is shown in that. Uh, He creates good and creates evil. So, but she is definitely, she is at a low point. She is broken. She is discouraged. And one of the things we're going to see unfolding in this book is that Naomi's emptiness will be transformed to fullness. The word for empty is only going to be used one more time. And it's going to be used in 317 where uh, Ruth is given a great deal of grain and says, do not go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Empty-handed. Naomi's emptiness is going to be transformed into fullness by the Lord Almighty. Now, Ruth, the land of Moab, as I counted, was mentioned seven times in Ruth. Also, the term Moabite is used another seven times in Ruth. So, Ruth being a Moabite, Ruth being from Moab, is a key element in the story. You remember God's promise to Abraham that through you, all nations will be blessed. Genesis 12.3, Genesis 22... Uh, verse 18, through you all nations will be blessed. And what we see here is God's promise. God's uh, God's promise is experiencing some level of fulfillment in the life of, of Ruth. And the Bible tells us when they arrived at Bethlehem, it was the beginning of barley harvest, which would have been late April and early May in that time of year in the land of Israel anyway. What, what thoughts do you have right there? What, what ideas?
2: Was, because everybody was kind of like stirred up when Naomi came back is that a sense that she or the family was prominent before they left? Or is it just like, oh look, somebody came back. This is a small town, and somebody.
0: I I think more of the latter. I think it's a small town where everybody would have known everyone. Uh, Could it have been a prominent family? You know, may have been, may not have been. But I think it would have been a a close knit place where people knew one another. And uh, so, I mean, it's exciting when somebody that you never thought would see see again comes back. Most times that excitement's good. Uh, you know, if it's a good thing. Uh, but but if it's... And so I think that that would have been the situation. It just would have been their familiarity with with uh, her. What else? I, I just see all through the book that, that uh, no matter what human beings do, God's plan is not going to be for Yes, Yes, that, that is true. God's plan is not going to be thwarted. The side we take on it is going to depend on whether we're blessed or cursed. You know, but God somehow ultimately will will prevail and He will overcome. So. Lord willing, on Sunday we will try to go over Ruth two. The next Wednesday night on Ruth three, I'm not supposed to be here uh, I was supposed to be preaching in Texas. I'll be there here this, that Sunday, but, but it's Monday through Friday. And um, so, but Lord willing, Ruth too on Sunday. But God bless and see you then.